Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and you're listening on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And I'm very delighted to have with us today Josh Schilling from the band Mountain Heart. They're going to be playing at the Acorn Theater on April 10th. And they're doing a little mini tour um, ending at the at the Acorn Theater on April 10th. Um, going to be talking to Josh in just a few minutes, but I wanted to play one of their songs. Now, they, they do have a bunch of original songs. They've been together since 98, and uh, Josh has been with them since 2007. Uh, Josh plays um, uh, piano, uh, Hammond B3, and he does uh, lead vocals. Uh, also plays a little guitar for the band. And uh, does a little solo work, too. We'll talk to him about all that, but I just wanted to start out with this cover. This gives you a little bit of a taste of uh, what kind of uh, what kind of music they do. And here we are, Josh Schilling of Martin Hart. And here we go with Whipping Post from their 2007 album, Road That Never Ends.
my friends tell me You look such a fool And I just stood back and take it, baby you done nothing seems to change that time stay the same and I can't run sometimes I feel come on y'all sometimes I feel like I'm tired on to the whipping post I'm tired on to the whipping post I'm tired on to the whipping post good luck Like I'm All right, that's Mountain Heart. I think it was recorded live at the Ark in Ann Arbor, so it's got a little bit of a of a Michigan bend to it for sure. And uh, looking forward to, again to seeing them at the Acorn Theater. And uh, in a few minutes, we're gonna get on the phone with uh, Josh Schilling. Hold on tight. Uh, at a place right. called the Ark. Yeah, you cut the. Um, the uh, album Road That Never Ends at the Ark. Uh, in, that's right, in yeah. And, 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 you know, since then, that's right when I joined the band, which has been a long time ago now. But, but uh, you know, we're just, just an incredible fan base up there. It's, oh, it's interesting. Yeah. I feel like, and I, I bet, you know, Three Oaks and up around that area, I feel like it's going to be the same there. Um, I feel like uh, the, the fans are just so much more uh, appreciative of, up in that area and it's got to be because you know down down in the south you know in virginia north carolina and even where i'm at in tennessee it's not uncommon to hear great bluegrass or great uh you know whatever just yeah you know whatever type of music it's it's everywhere but i feel like when we play around you know in michigan it's just you know the people are just energetic really and, receptive you know, to it and stuff so so thankful to have yeah. it you know well, you know, we uh, we do get other bluegrass bands up here, and I think that it's really taken off in terms of uh, desirability. Uh, we had Henhouse Prowlers in the area; a couple they they come through here and there, and um, you know, and then in uh, the Wisconsin, you mentioned Wisconsin, but Horseshoes and Hand Grenades—they're another uh, you know oh, yeah. kind of uh, bluegrass band that also ventures into this and that, and um, it's it just yeah. become. It's this old time kind of music that has found a modern um, a modern audience and has adjusted to that. I think. Yeah. So well, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, and you guys have, you know, I think uh, my friend Billy Strings. I'm pretty sure he's from up there uh, somewhere in that area. And, oh yeah, uh, I think he's a Michigan guy, right? And and the Hen House Prowlers are they're 
are they from up there as well? They're that's, from Chicago, but uh, they oh, do yeah. a lot See, of I moving mean, around in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's not your. That's not the typical story for Grandpa's right. bluegrass. You know. <laughs> that's right. That's right for sure. Well, Billy Strings is playing big venues. He's not uh, coming to the small towns in Michigan these days. He uh, he's got quite the audience and national presence and getting to play with people like you know uh, um, Bill Kreutzman. And, uh, you know, he's like the new wonder boy of, uh, of jam, it seems to me. Yeah. And that, you know, that's happened, that's happened pretty quick for that guy. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've worked around festivals and such with, with the current band a good bit. I mean, uh, you know, they, they, it wasn't long ago for sure. Just a few years ago, they were playing, you know, uh, you know, the medium sized rooms, I, I guess. Know. You know? Uh, so, but yeah, they've just, you know, uh, obviously stage presence is uh is uh contagious or elect you know just electric and uh and then the talents there there is the traditional doc watson that side of what he's doing that i really appreciate and then the very progressive jammy side of what he's doing that appeals to that you know the jam grass kind of grateful dead audience you know so right uh, and and yeah i mean the man the grammy win and all of that good stuff it's really just lifted them up quickly so it's a uh, it's great to see that and it, you know it puts it puts uh, bluegrass more on the map, uh, but it also, I think, in a way, uh, you know, it's kind of like a rising tide lifts all ships or whatever. You know, I feel uh-huh. like it, uh, there's a lot of bands like Mountain Heart, for instance. You know, I mean, we've been a progressive bluegrass band for my, the entire time, you know. Sure. <laughs> and, and, uh, and you guys formed in 98, and I know that you got started with them in 2007. So, I mean, that's not insignificant, just your time with them. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the band was definitely, if you just Google the band, you'll see a lot of early, extremely traditional, you know, it, it was the deep-rooted gospel bluegrass uh, traditional side of things. When I joined the band, it was still leaning that way some, but I was primarily a, a piano player, and they brought me in to be a progressive-style singer, you know. So it was, uh-huh. uh, they were looking to get a new grass revival kind of, vocal uh out of me which is john callen you know they were kind of looking for a rock and roll vocalist and um so i you know i had the bluegrass roots in terms of what i grew up listening to where i and where i grew up but you know i was a soul singer i i loved ray charles and you know michael mcdonald and stevie wonder so, uh, <laughs> and yeah. and i you know my i play guitar but my primary instruments are uh have keys on them so right, it's, right. Uh, it's you know it's it was an interesting thing. And, you know, at, at first it wasn't well received, uh, in, in certain areas. You mean like from, uh, blue, uh, mountain hearts, traditional audience, they, you weren't well received. Oh, okay. So, uh, there was a little transition going on there. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, anytime you replace the lead singer of a popular band, it's hard, but, uh, yeah, while, uh, while there may have been some pushback in some areas, we were also immediately, uh, on tour opening up for Leonard Skinner that year. So here wow. was this bluegrass band that suddenly was very progressive in front of a Southern rock band, you know? So, and what we did, of, we yeah. did, we did a lot of different little things like that, uh, with other, you know, big, big acts like that. So, and they, the original lineup probably wouldn't have fit the bill as much, you know? So, it, right. you know, while we probably turned off some of the diehard traditional, fans uh we started growing you know more into a younger audience and a broader audience uh that actually is similar to what billy does as far as who he's playing to you know yeah uh, yeah and so so yeah we I, I think 
bands like him, I really are like them, uh, the entire band, I think. And, you know, and I think of my friends in the String Dusters and, oh sure, uh, you know, another band. Yonder Mountains. Yeah, well, Green Skies. Green Sky, they're, like. they're from I think uh, Grand Rapids or Kalamazoo. Grand Rapids, I yeah. think. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Um, but, I mean, uh, those bands like that, uh, you know, they all love Tony Rice. They all love Del McCurry, and they all love Sam Bush, but they're doing their own thing. And so yeah. that's exactly what Mountain Heart does. Uh, but with Mountain Heart, you have guys that play uh, very unusual bluegrass instruments. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> You know, well, I mean, just having the piano center, uh, front and center, and our banjo players kind of steeped in the old school uh, bluegrass ways, the Earl Scruggs kind of approach. But he's, uh, but you know, I mean, this guy's been on tour with Warren Haynes and Bruce Hornsby and rock and roll bands, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very kind of different, uh, aggressive approach to the music, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, you know, we're you mentioned uh, go back home to the studio. Uh, that is the deal with it, with us, especially since 2020. We uh, we're all session players, and, uh -huh. and by that I mean it's it, it's every week. You know, we have home studios, and then we work in the we work in uh, Nashville. All of us are in Nashville now, so we're oh. you know. Yesterday, I was I was with Winona Judd yesterday. I don't know if you know who that is. Sure, but, yeah, but, wow. Uh, yeah, I recut some stuff for her and. Uh, uh, and her mom actually is going to be on it from, you know, which essentially rounds out the Judd's original yeah. lineup. <laughs> right. So, uh, so it's really cool. And that's going to be part of the, uh, the, the next CMT awards, I think. But, but we, you know, we're all in on stuff like that. Seth, our guitarist, he's in New York city right now with a, with a, a Warner brothers act and, uh, and they're cutting, he's actually staying in New York city with this producer for a month. So, that's a huge budget project he's in on. Um, and then, you know, I did Del McCurry's last record, played piano on his last album. Uh, and I just, I did a Rhonda Vincent Christmas tour. Uh, so we're, you know, we're all kind of in the middle of other stuff. Our, our, uh, our mandolin player, Ashby, he plays with, uh, on and off with Jerry Douglas. Uh, so he goes out with, uh, the Earls of Leicester, if you're familiar with that band. Um, and, you know, just we all get to do really, really cool stuff. Some of it's country, some of it's uh, the majority of it is, you know, uh, uh, our our heroes in, in a yeah. way. So the, guy, the guys like Del McCurry and, you know. That's like amazing that, to be able to play yeah. with uh, your heroes like that and uh, yeah, have sure. that access. Uh, so, so how often do uh, you guys in Mountain Heart get together and play and uh, and then, you know, be able to put together albums yet do you guys have an album coming up yourselves mountain heart we're uh we're actually in the midst of starting a record we have all the material and the conversations we're signed with a label here in nashville uh, uh called compass records um but is we that, haven't is that a new setup compass records with you compass records no they've, they've been around for actually a long time uh no i i meant uh mountain hearts association with compass records oh no our, our last two albums oh, uh, gotcha. has, has okay. been on there and we, i think we we're going to do one more uh at least so uh but yeah our latest record which you know in general to kind of circle back to your question um we would usually play a lot more mountain heart dates and we're getting back into that we've just been i mean it's been with in 2020, we were busy, and then March came. Sure. It was just like a, everything canceled. And then then we played maybe eight or ten shows late that summer. 
and that was still in the days of like drive-in shows and outside oh. pod shows you know oh, where wow. like fans uh-huh. had to sit in like a roped off area <laughs> and then, and then yeah. you know we started back to working and um uh, towards i guess it would have been the beginning of 2021 and it was still like equally weird as uh, all the ups and downs of like you yeah, know canceled right. flights canceled gigs and then yeah. and then you'd reschedule them then they would cancel again yeah you know now lots of people were vaccinated lots weren't people were afraid tickets were up tickets were down so it was a lot of just like on and off again stuff and then we started working again last year and then like Omicron came and just wrecked it all. Oh <laughs> so, man, more cancellations uh, over the fall and early winter. Well, you know, we, we really lucked out in that we finished up right around late October, I guess we were done with what we had on the books. Uh, and, yeah. and you know what? I got COVID around the holidays and uh, everybody I knew did. And it just yeah. turned in, it was one of those things where I, we just had the conversation it was like, look, let's just hold off until the spring, you know, because right. if we start putting more work on the books, everyone, you know, people are going to get uncomfortable and uh, we are liable to have, uh, you know, more cancellations and such. So uh, there, to get away I've, from I've never negative, seen so many cancellations in the history of music. I mean, this is, it, it was so rare to cancel a show and now yeah, it's like, no. well, you know, we're going to book this and we're going to plan everything and we're going to, you know, move forward, but it could get canceled at any minute. And that's just so hard to adjust. And, you know, so many well, I know. And expenses it, 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 come around when uh, you have to yeah, cancel it, a show like that and, you know, paying everyone back. And anyway, yeah. it's been really hard just across the board to get people out of that mentality, too. You know, yeah. because like because the, the growth back into touring, um, unless you're just the one rarity here and there that can sell two or three thousand tickets right now. You know, um, but it, it's for most people, you know, it's, there's, there's rules at different venues. There are, uh, there are fans that are just afraid, you know? Uh, And so it's, there's a growth, there's like this re education and like reopening that's slowly happening, you know? So, absolutely. um, but, uh, but, you know, I'm just happy to be, uh, to be getting back out and, and like our schedule is actually going to be pretty full, uh, for compared to the last two years. So. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, to get off the negative, uh, it, our normal, um, our normal, uh, interaction would be definitely playing, you know, weekly and hopefully, you know, more than a couple of dates a week and not considered weekend warriors so much as sure. what we like to do is, you know, work in town, play the sessions. And then we get what we call an anchor date, which would be, a, a Saturday night, you know, that can fund the trip. Well, then we'll, we'll build a tour around it. And ah. a lot of times that might only be, you know, it might be three to five dates. It might be a week or two or three or something, you know, so yeah. that's, we, we generally would just call those a run, you know, we're going out on a West coast run and it might be hopefully a couple of weeks, you know, or something up in the Northeast for a couple of weeks. So, but, um, but yeah, this, uh, this stuff in Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, believe it or not, it's our first, uh, it's our first time going back out this year because, like I said, of all the things that we just talked about. Yeah, so, yeah. So we're excited to be finally getting back out and, you know, doing it. And, you know, I'm beyond excited to get back in the studio and make a record because, you know, we write our material and produce the albums. And uh, I've just had some uh, really strong songs that have been just kind of stuck, you know, in the can waiting to get in and record. Uh-huh. So yeah. I'm extremely stoked to be doing that. But, uh, 
but well, hopefully, you know, hopefully that comes soon. Yeah, you know, let me back you up. So, uh, you know, you um, you came to the band with a little bit more of a rock and roll background. Uh, what was your you know background? Where, where did you learn how to play, and and what kind of music were you listening to when you were growing up? Yeah, um, well, it's interesting. I I don't know if I would call it rock and roll as much as it. You know, there's a lot of. I guess if we're talking Almond Brothers rock and roll, then yeah. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, but, rock and roll is uh, Elvis Presley's rock and roll. Uh, yeah, you know. Well, yeah, there's so many different. Versions. Yeah, there's so many different uh, definitions of rock and roll. But uh, yeah. no, I understand that um, uh, Almond Brothers is one of your. Uh, uh, well, I mean, you you play Hammond B three. I mean, you know, and and you yeah. sing, uh, and so you probably you know were a big fan of uh, of Greg Almond growing up. I know I was. I oh, still yeah. am. And yeah. uh, uh, so, is that the kind of stuff that you enjoyed listening to? That kind of Southern rock and uh, or uh, you know I'm. Almond Brothers. I mean, I know they call them Southern Rock, but I would say like Leonard Skinner's Southern Rock or uh, Marshall Crenshaw's like Southern Rock. But uh, Almond Brothers are their own own thing. You know, those guys yeah. were quite amazing. Well, you know, all of those bands like that, um, I think, kind of get lumped into the you know Southern Rock. You know, Marshall Tucker Band's another one. Uh, but but you know, like the the quality of what all of those acts were doing at that time, like Leonard Skinner, you know, uh, man, what a tight band yeah. that was. I mean, yeah. they were, I mean, they were literally like for a rehearsed band that you could go in, put them in the studio and just have it sound just super tight and all the parts worked out and everybody just killing it. They were one of the like top bands, you know, yeah. uh, in, in my, to me. And, you know, when I, as far as piano influence, Billy Powell from Leonard Skinner for sure. Uh, the guy, I can't think of his name, uh, that played with Marshall Tucker, uh, definitely had a feel and vibe that I loved. And speaking of that, I'm actually in the middle of cutting a record with the original drummer of Marshall Tucker. Are you really? Wow. As yeah. a session musician, you get to really, you know, uh, bang shoulders with, uh, a lot of un unbelievable musicians. That's oh, yeah. uh, the magic well, this is there. The this is a compilation album and they're actually re-recording the Marshall Tucker band, uh, song, some of the deep catalog stuff. And, and I'm not only getting to play on this, I'm, I'm getting to sing on it. And, uh, they're going to have, uh, the last session we did in the fall was with, uh, Charlie star from Blackberry smoke. It had Mark, uh, Marcus King. Marcus, Marcus King. King sure. Band. Yeah. He's yeah, great. He sang a lot, played a lot. Uh, and, uh, Vince Gill was on a song oh, sure. or two. And they actually, we had a bass player uh, on there, and I'm not sure if he's going to end up. Well, I don't think he's going to finish the record. I think O'Teal Burbridge from. Uh, oh, great. From, from Dead and Company, Dead Company and yeah. from Colonel Hampton so and uh, yeah, yeah. Colonel Bruce so, Hampton Band and everything. He's he's unbelievable. I, I'm a big fan of O'Teal. Yeah, I've done a couple of projects with O'Teal, and probably before he joined uh, Bob Weir and the, the new Dead, you know, I. I I was well between the almonds and the uh, Dead and Company gig. I was playing dates with O'Till, and so is that right? Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, and they, I mean we're just talking a few, maybe five or six things we did, but um, but yeah. So, but my point behind all that was the the quality of the the Marshall Tucker Band stuff, and the fact that you know you think of Can't You See or Heard It in a Love Song, those were their radio songs. Right. When you dig into their catalog, they were a jam band from way back dude like heavy jams like i mean <laughs> and and like 
interesting stuff. Like, I mean, that era, uh, like to me, Leonard Skinner was like a bunch of insane players with great commercial sounding songs for the time times, but they were primarily other than Freebird, a radio friendly band. Whereas Marshall Tucker band, the almonds, the dead, all of those acts, man, they would play, uh, I mean, it was they. they well, their their songs were too long, kind of. Yeah, right. They explored their songs. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so, but uh, but yeah, man. I mean, uh, those guys were all my influences for sure from the rock perspective. Oh yeah, me too. I I also like you know, man. The the my dad had Ricky Skaggs records and Tony Rice records and Allison Krauts the early stuff. Oh wow! So Uh, you were deeply uh, embedded in that stuff. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I listened to it. I, I yeah. played guitar, but I was, you know, as far as what I wanted to sing like or play like, I was always, I was always listening to the soul music from a, from a vocal standpoint. I mean, the first songs I remember like digging into were by you know like people like Otis Redding or uh, Ray uh, Charles or yeah. Bill Withers, that sort of thing, and uh, and so that kind of was the stuff. You know, I'd walk around just singing. You know, "Lean on Me" by Bill Withers, like every other kid, <laughs> and right. uh, and but I was trying to cop the feel he was singing with, and uh, and I still do that today. I mean, you know, if it doesn't have soul, then I don't really want to hear it, and I don't care how in tune it is, I don't care how perfect it is. If, if it doesn't make me feel something, then the singer's not emoting correctly, you know. So it's like that's how I want to be perceived. That's what I'm shooting for, anyway. Is like I. I may not be perfect. It might crack or, you know, I may be out of tune or whatever, but I hope that I somehow move you emotionally. And so you put your heart a, behind it. A hundred percent. You know, that's, that's the one thing, like I'm a street player. I didn't go to school for music. I didn't really get a lot of formal training or lessons or anything, but what I know, I, um, I'm usually hired to do one thing and that's to play and sing with feel, you know, and that's, right. that's the one thing I try to bring to the table is, is emotion, you know? Yeah. Um, did you, but, uh, uh, yeah. How, how long have you been playing the piano? Did you start playing when you were a little kid? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I don't even, to be honest, it, it was almost like my dad was a guitarist. And so I was around music, uh, really early. And then, uh, you know, I'm saying maybe six and seven, I got interested in what he was doing. And then uh, he had a keyboard that I kind of played with a little, and they eventually gave me that. And my aunt had a piano in her apartment when I was maybe, I want to say eight or nine, and uh, somewhere in there. And she had to move out of that apartment. And uh, and I think she just was storing the piano in my parents' garage, <laughs> and it, it turned into... I just keep it. And it was a great old upright. You Turned know? So into Josh's I, um, piano. <laughs> yeah. And, and I vividly remember the band you mentioned. Like, I, I can remember my dad had actual vinyl of, like, Skinner Records and Almond Brothers Records. And I learned uh, the Call Me the Breeze solo off of a Skinner album on piano. I learned it by ear when I was, like, eight or nine, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> and, uh, and I moved on to the Almond stuff, which I actually dug a lot more and just learned all of those records. And... And I still listen to all that stuff. I still love it just the same. And uh, but but yeah, man, I I got got some lessons. I had a teacher that came and taught me to read notation a little. Uh, but uh, I just could pick stuff up so quickly by ear. That's I, amazing. I mean, looking back, it's, yeah, looking back, it's insane. Like to think about a, you know, a seven, eight, nine year old that could just listen to, you know, a warped album or a stretched <laughs> cassette and uh, actually learn it. You know, that's pretty <laughs> but, good. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I started, I started getting gigs, you know, I started playing bars, oddly enough at 12. Just and, by uh, yourself or did you play with other bands at that stage? Uh, well, a little bit of both. I did uh-huh. some weddings and things, a uh, little private parties, just me and a piano. But, uh, my uncle was in a cover band, mainly he did like country and Southern rock stuff. And, uh, and he asked me, did I want to play piano, you know, on Saturday nights. And so, uh, my mom would drive me to the, the American Legion or the, the Moose Lodge right. or whatever it was, you know, and I would play those gigs on pretty much like every Saturday, you know? And, uh, so I learned to do a lot of things really young. You know, I learned to, yeah. I watched the, the, uh, my people, my parents age fight and, and fuss and dance. And I, you know, I learned to drink. I learned to do it all when I was 12, <laughs> 13 years old. You right. know? So, um, well, but, certainly yeah, a that, child prodigy for piano playing, it sounds like. And, uh, well, all that, all that exposed you to all these other things that uh, most kids don't get to see by being yeah, in a bar. I mean, even, even at 18, you know, once I was driving, I was, you know, I was starting to work with some regional acts and with, uh, some country acts. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I was on my first tour bus, you know, when I was maybe 16 or 17 and I, I knew I was going to be a musician. So I graduated high school early. I think I did that at 17. I opened Josh Schilling music LLC and I still run that. So, so oh, man. I've been, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been on the road, you know, this, a lot of my life. And once I had kids, I started, I still played dates, but I did it a little smarter. And like we were talking about earlier, uh, yeah. with, you know, planning and plotting out the, the trips and, uh, versus just getting in a bus and being gone. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of went into, you know, I'm also a songwriter and I was a full-time songwriter for many years. Uh, and so I've had over 60 songs recorded and the artists range from, you know, guys like, uh, Del McCurry just recorded a song, uh, Diamond Rio, the country band. Uh, I wrote the title track of their last song, uh, last album, many, many bluegrass cuts, including a lot of mountain heart cuts. Um, the string dusters have cut a lot of my tunes. Well, I've co-written five or six songs with them and they've recorded those. Uh, Leanne Womack sang on one of those songs, which is really cool. Um, and a lot of like bands you haven't heard of that are phenomenal have recorded songs of mine, you know, um, What's it like to have, uh, you know, when you put together a song, you're you're putting it together probably in your own voice or, you know, uh, how you hear it in your head. What's it like when you hear someone else play one of your songs? Ninety percent of the time, it's a good experience. Sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you might go, "Oh man, that that could have been way different," or you know. Uh, But uh, no, usually it's just a huge honor you know i hear a lot of people say that uh especially when it's somebody you know like i had a song uh i've recorded uh this just comes to mind because it's the most recent thing i've had recorded uh that i've written um many times now i've gotten to play or hang out or jam late night and i think i've been on a couple of albums with dale mccurry and the dale mccurry band and i know that just from hanging with dale that he loves Jerry Lee Lewis and, and he loved, you know, they love the piano in that band, but they love the country era of Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh-huh. man, if you go back and listen, you know, again, it's like we were talking about the commercial side of Marshall Tucker band or Leonard Skinner. When I think of the commercial side of Jerry Lee Lewis, I think of flashy, the piano's on fire, uh, great balls of fire. Or right. Whatever, right. That, that's what I'm thinking. 
But if you actually go listen to him sing in his heyday, just singing a country song, like nobody could touch the guy. Nobody, you know, take yeah. the piano out of the equation. Just as a singer, no one could touch him. And uh, and Dale, that that's his opinion too. And uh, so, long story short, I wrote this song that was very Jerry Lee Lewis like a couple of years ago, and uh, and I knew that Dale would love it, you know, because I didn't expect him to cut it, but I knew he would like it because he's such a Jerry fan. And um, I actually let it. We do Thanksgiving with uh, Dale's uh, front of house engineer, his audio engineer, and uh-huh. uh, so I was over at. Uh, the Thanksgiving dinner and I said, man, check this out. And I texted the demo of this new song to my friend and I didn't really expect him to, to show it to Dale, but I knew that Dale would like it if he heard it. And, uh, I guess he sent it to Dale and out of all of this material that Dale was sent over the last few years, which he waited through during the pandemic, you know, he, he apparently spent like three months just listening to CDs, you know, just demos, and, uh, just, uh, yeah, things that yeah. people wanted yeah. him to do. Wow. Yeah, stuff that had been sent to a P.O. box for like, a, you know, many, several years anyway. And, and uh, but anyway, he found this one and uh, he called me up uh, in 2020 and he was like, well, I want you to I want you to play some piano on this next record. And he, he said, we're, you know, we're going to be looking at five or six songs and uh, one of them's yours, you know. So, wow, that's great. So had, How exciting. Yeah. And, you know, long story, but uh to, to get back to what you said, when you hear a guy like him, who's a stylist, you know, uh, like he's not going to sing it like me. He's not going to phrase it like me. He's not going to interpret it like me. He's going to change some chords. The melody's going to be different. Um, he doesn't have as much vibrato as I do. Uh, and so, I mean, he's going to do Del McCurry to that song and, and it takes on this whole different shape and grows a new pair of legs, you know, yeah. and it's like, uh, so when you hear it done like that, Leanne Walmack did that as well with the string dusters to a song that I wrote with Jeremy from that band. Uh-huh. And uh, when you hear that caliber of singer uh, do your song, man, it's like for for that one moment, you don't you don't need any money or, yeah. or, fame or you know, it's just like, you know, I did this. I, you know, That's I have amazing. arrived, you know, so yeah. it's a uh, it's a real special thing. And, you know, Diamond Rio was another one. Um, you know, I grew up on that, that band. I, they had bluegrass elements, but they were a country mega like successful band, you know, with, I think it's like 20 number ones or something. Um, but I remember I line danced in the fourth grade to a Diamond Rio song, uh, <laughs> as a, as a play for the, for the school. And so I was just a huge fan and to get to write a song with them about their career and then them record it and put it on their album as the album, the title track uh man it's just amazing and hearing those guys do it their way you know it's like there's there's no better as a writer there's first of all there's no money in that anymore (laughs) but uh there's no better uh bigger compliment you know out there as far as that goes but uh, but yeah man i've been really just really happy and lucky over the years and you know in marsh uh mountain hearts the same way like having I don't make the decisions on what songs we record. It's a, it's a group effort uh-huh. and to have, to have that band choose, you know, to, I think I've had at least maybe 12 or 15 mountain heart songs over the years, uh, you know, out of what we have access to. And that's been a lot of material from a lot of great songwriters. I've been on a lot of them and, uh, you know, I mean, there's no band that cuts a song like mountain heart to me. I mean, it's just such a, 
unbelievable musical force. So every time I, I have the guys like give me the thumbs up to do one of my songs, I'm just thrilled, you know? Yeah, so, that's great. What are uh, some of the songs that you've brought to Mountain Heart that, that you guys all play? Uh, I'll just list some off the, the last two albums that I really love. And I don't even sing them all, you know, I'm just the, the writer on them. So it's, uh, but uh, yeah, Soul Searching, the title track of the last album. Sure. Oh yeah. Uh, that's 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And you know, actually I wrote that with Jeremy. It's a, it's an infamous string duster song too. Both bands have recorded it. Um, so that's an interesting little tidbit, you know? Uh -huh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Soul Searching is one uh, off that same album. I wrote No Complaints, which is kind of a New Orleans vibe. You know, uh -huh. uh, I, I really love that. Um, the only song that the band Mountain Heart has ever written together as a unit uh, at the same time in the same room, we all got together and wrote a song uh, and I didn't even end up singing it. But uh, that that song is called Restless Wind. And uh, and it's on that record as yeah, well. Yeah, Soul Searching and yeah, I'm really proud of that. Uh, it's just such a vibey piece and uh, legendary percussionist uh, uh, played on it. Uh, oh, why is he? Isn't it? He just passed away. He's, he's slipping my mind. Kenny Malone is his name. Uh -huh. if, you wanna, if you want to Google Kenny Malone, uh, he's played a bunch with literally everybody, but used to tour with Daryl Scott and all these different acts, kind of a legendary drummer. But, uh, but he was on that track and just filled it out. Uh, off of that album, let's see, I wrote uh, Your Love Won't Let Me Go. That was solo right, I think. Uh, you, can't hi uh, you, you Can't Hide a Broken Heart was one. There's a couple more on that record, and I honestly can't remember uh, without it in, in front of me. Uh, more but, Than I know, Am looks like it's got a ton yeah. of plays. And is that yeah. uh, one? It, okay. Is that yeah, one I that... Wrote it, uh huh. I wrote it with a friend of mine uh, named Marcus Humman, and he's another guy for you to... Uh, to google he uh yeah, marcus Hummon. marcus Hummon, yeah h-u-m-m-o-n i actually just recorded within last week i think it was but uh but man the guy's written god bless the broken road for rascal flats he wrote uh cowboy take me away for the dixie chicks he wrote born to fly for sarah evans he's written uh only love for winona judd who i was with yesterday um uh, many brian white hits but yeah th this guy's like He's got a Tim McGraw song uh, that was. He, he's got two, two or three Tim McGraw cuts, but one smash uh, called "You're Gonna Love Me." I think was the name name of it. But uh, yeah, that guy, man, he's just oozes talent. Uh, but that's who I wrote more than I am with. Uh, and uh, so there's a couple others. I, I'd have to think about it. As far as the last <laughs> if you've written sixty songs that have been played by other people, then you must have written hundreds of songs that that are just uh, you know. I, man, I'm, I'm a still kind of a full-time writer. I wrote a song this morning uh, with a guy over over Skype. So it's, yeah, I, it, thousands of songs. Many thousands so I'm of sure, songs. I mean, at this point, your writing style is, you know, is fully formed and you can sit down and say, I'm going to write a song and, and you get one out. But how did that start? I mean, it seems like, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. There's people that can never write a song and they're great singers or great musicians, but they just don't have that, that, uh, um, that gene to be able to write a song. What's your writing style? You know, do you uh, do you wait for uh, it to come to you? Does it, just, or do you sit down like, okay, I got to write a song, and uh, you know, sort of get some ideas and then and then hash them out. You know, how do you how do you approach writing a song, or does it just come to you? Sometimes, you know, I've known well, uh, musicians that they just 
they just feel it and and they they wake up in the middle of the night and they've got to get it down on paper and and you know get it uh, memorialized yeah i mean i think it's different for every time you know but uh and there's a, a thousand ways to go about the creative process sometimes there's a drum loop and you just start kind of humming something that turns into a uh, a a phrased i mean a you know a lyric phrasing and maybe there's a melodic thing that happens in there or other times there's just a title, you know, and you try you you spend forever trying to make music fit around this perfect little mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> crafted uh, idea, you know, title idea, idea, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but for me, my favorite songs ninety percent of the time are the ones that Daryl Scott would call gifts, you know, things right. that just suddenly, suddenly you didn't work for it, you know, wherever it comes from, some higher power, whatever it is, <laughs> you didn't go chase it down. You didn't get up at nine and get your coffee and then have a, a Skype right at 10 and create it. You didn't sit and hash it out for hours. It was just this thing that kind of hit you and you had some attachment to it. And then it was literally on paper within an hour, you know, yeah. and, uh, those have been my favorite songs. However, um, that's definitely how it was early on. But as you become, a writer where you're writing with great songwriters daily, uh, at least weekly, you know, hopefully a few days a week, which is what I've done forever. Um, now it seems like, um, you learn from each one of those people, you know, you pick right. up, you literally pick up sometimes, you know, it can be useful to be a young green songwriter. That's not that great at it in a room with someone like Marcus Hummond. And you just, stay the heck out of his way, you know, like stay out of his way, but then also do your thing, throw your mojo on it. You know, in my case, if it's a soulful thing with emotion, just like pour some of that on him here and there, because that's one thing he may not have, you know? Right. Right. Uh, and so that, that's one thing I learned early is like when you're out gun, just stay out of the way and like, and offer things that they may not have have to bring to the table so there's that piece of it but then there's also this other thing that came later for me where you know i'm writing with a band that's younger than me and they're looking to me as the senior songwriter sure. you know and which is terrifying in a way at first. <laughs> but then like, what are you looking you know, at me for <laughs> you know, they, well they're in town you know and they're yeah. on a record label and they're trying to create music and they've flown in from somewhere and they've got four days and you're one of their days or uh, one of their mornings yeah and it, so there's this pressure of like, hey, we've always wanted to know you and meet you. And where's this like, where's, we're waiting on all of this juice to just flow out, you know? And it's so, and you got to figure out how to deal with that and then, and run with it. And, and so that's been a great thing for me to, to grow too, is like, all right, you know, there's three people in the room here and that none of them have ever really written and we're expected to get something today. And it's like, okay, I'm going to have to run this ball all the way. And, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, and, and there's, you know, once I started doing a little bit of that, uh, uh, you know, my, as far as how I get to the finish line, sometimes it's a riff. Sometimes it's a title. Uh, sometimes it's just rapping back and forth miscellaneous crap for hours until it just happens. And then other times it's, just as fast as I can write the stuff down, you know? And yeah. so, uh, early though, it, early on for me, the songs were absolutely what I would call gifts, uh, just sitting, sitting around and you had something on your heart or you had this thing that you'd been humming for forever or randomly you just said something and you were like, oh, I got to write that down. And it was a song within an hour. Uh-huh. You know? So, <laughs> um, 
So does it usually the day my my favorite ones? The ones that happen oh, like yeah. that are always the ones I'm like, well, we're gonna cut that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, does it usually come as a melody first or or um, lyrics first, uh, or is it you know come together together? Well, it's you know again, it's uh, it the more you do it. It's all over the map. The more you do it, uh, the the more of, of a you know of a spectrum you're on. It seems like as far as how you can get there. Like today, I wrote with a guy who writes a lot of country and bluegrass stuff, and he's he's all, he writes two or three day, times a day, you know. And so he doesn't have a lot of time. He books two to three hour windows, and this guy comes prepared, you know. So you get mm. on the call. There's a ten or fifteen minute. Hey, what's up? How you been? And then there's, hey, I'm emailing you this document. This is something I started. Let's finish it. Uh, and so what I immediately do is I look at it and I, I throw out the disclaimer of, hey, this is good. Um, you've almost written this song. I don't want to be in on it if I can't change it or make it different or cooler to you. And so uh, the first thing I do is go, don't even start phrasing this hardly. You know, like, don't even sing this to me more than once. Give me an idea of what you're doing. And let me see if I can do something with these lyrics and the, the the broad stroke you've given me that you like that you didn't have before we got on the phone. Because if I can't, I want you to finish that one on your own, you know, right, uh, right. because it's the same. It's the same thing I was saying a minute ago. Like, I want to put I want to give them something back, you know, if it's a co-writing situation. Sure. So so but yeah, I mean, like today, that's the weirdness. You know, it's like here's this here's this two thirds written piece of music. uh in front of me and I've got a couple hours to get it there, you know, and, and the goal is for the guy to hang or the, the guy or gal to hang up and be happier than they were <laughs> with it when they got on the call. And so, uh, that's one way to do it. Uh, but you know, often for me nowadays, especially I have started realizing, uh, especially with my own music and with stuff that I'm part of like mountain heart, um, it's better for me to think if I'm writing in that direction, I'm not trying to, think about like what's going to work on the radio or what's going to work what where's this big gotcha moment big punchline hook line or any of that stuff i'm thinking way more about like hey when i walk into a bar and somebody says hey josh sit in what do you want to do what song would i call you know what song would i would i say hey do you guys know that and it's always going to be like some simple easy thing that i've played a million times you know like Will It Go Round in Circles by Billy Preston or uh, Such and Such by Leon Russell or, you know, like Superstition by by Stevie Wonder. This three chord song that everybody knows that we can all stretch and jam on. Yeah. I can interpret the melody however I'm feeling it. And so what I've started to do is approach music a bit more like that in, in that I'm only going to do things for me uh that I would enjoy and feel comfortable doing anywhere, anytime, in any bar, under any scenario, you know? And a lot of the songs that I'm most proud of that I've written lyrically, those aren't, that's not, that's not that kind of song. I couldn't walk into a, a bar and be like, Hey, let's play, you know, this tune. It's real heavy and really hard to sing and really complicated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, and so lately my, my approach has been a little more like, rhythmic groove based vibe type of, of pre you know, that's the first thing I'm doing is if I decide I'm going to take a few hours and try to write something, I'm going to get a guitar out and just kind of start a groove of some sort in whatever key. And then I might just start humming something 
and it's going to turn into something or not, you know? Uh, and so that's kind of been, you know, the, it's kind of been how I've been getting there when I'm writing for, for what I want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it's well, a collaborative process. It's, it's always different, man. You know, oh, a lot sure. of times they're, you know, they're like, Hey, I got this, you know, um, I've got this heavy title, you know, that means something to me. And those are the hardest ones because, sure. because they've already, you know, they're writing about their, their grandmother that passed or something. And they're already thinking about how it, the impact it's going to have and what all the scene changes are. And it's like, man, they're coming to you with this heavy topic and you've got to figure out how to get them there, you know, or help them get there. Uh-huh. So, so that's, so, that's your role in a lot of this is to help with the phrasing and the, and the, uh, um, putting other aspects around the song to to uh, create it into um, a marketable song, or uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's I hard mean, to hard to say, I guess. Well, and you know, when you're writing with the artist, uh, if they aren't songwriters, the idea is usually to get them something they want to cut. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. And so you want them to hopefully like what you do and then want to sing it. And, and then they're going to interpret it their way. Uh, if you're writing with writers or, or singers, singer songwriters that, that also are, are successful at songwriting. The idea usually is to write something extremely marketable to pitch and get, get a big old cut out of it, you know, and make some money. Sure, sure. So, um, and you know, when I'm writing with say Jeremy Garrett or, uh, you know, if I were to get in someday with, uh, and I know some of the guys in the band, but if I were to be with Royal or, uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but, uh, if I were to write with Royal or Billy strings or one of those guys in that camp, the goal would be to create something that we like, you know? And so the approach is going to be totally different, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. it's going to be, it's not going to matter what, how commercial it is or what, uh, what tempo it is, or if it's, you know, dark, or if it's a murder ballad, it's not going to matter, you know, because the goal is for us to dig in on it, you know? Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, and that's been a successful strategy, like with the string dusters. I mean, Jeremy and I have written, I don't know, probably 25 or 30 songs, and probably half of those have went on records of, you know, theirs or ours or, uh-huh. or you know, uh, Actually, Jeremy's got a record coming out, solo album coming out this month, and uh, and one of our songs is on that. So, um, and I sang on it as well. So, if you were to check any of that stuff out, you'll hear me singing some harmonies and stuff in there. But, uh, but yeah, there's uh, there's a thousand ways to do it, you know. Sure. Uh, but the most organic and successful way to do it, to me, are the ones that just like you almost. And you've heard other people say this, but the ones you you feel like you could just have a conversation and you've written it like the yeah. words that are the stuff that's conversational, like Guy Clark is a great example. Uh, the stuff just falls out of your mouth, the real natural way you say it. Uh, there's no writery profound effort put in the stuff just flows right out common man language. And, you know, and it's on the paper in 30 minutes and that is going to be the one that usually resonates the most, you know, so how, how did uh, you get into this market of helping people write songs or working with others to write songs? I mean, how, how does that even come about? Did, you know, you must've gotten to a point where people knew of you and, and searched you out to be able to help you help them or help have you help them write songs. Um, there, you know, that seems like it's, um, 
you probably have developed a lot of close uh, relationships as a result of being able to do that with someone because that's oh, a, yeah. that's a that's yeah. a project that you know results in this permanent structure essentially, and uh, yeah. you know it, it, you know you're both exposing your hearts when you're sitting down and doing stuff like that. Oh man, yeah, I, I, we talk about that all the time. Uh, there's there are things said in the writing rooms that you wouldn't say to a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people people cry, people. They talk about cheating and lying. They talk about getting cheated on. They talk about oh, death. Yeah. It, it's a heavy thing, man. I mean, a lot of times the writing process can sometimes be half about family life and really hard crap that's going on. And then the next, you know, they're, you know, sometimes you don't do anything. You just sit there in the room mm-hmm. at Warner Brothers and you cry on each other's shoulders. So, yeah, you build relationships that way. And, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, that they're like you're right that the guy i wrote with today i literally only know him uh from a songwriting perspective we've never done anything else to, together at all but we've had songs cut you know so, yeah yeah um, but um you form those deep relationships yeah. like that yeah it's it's awesome and i mean so to kind of the other part of that question for some odd reason as a teenager i was already kind of crafting some songs you know uh that just real simple uh, pieces of music and a couple of them actually ended up turning into things that were recorded 10 years later but uh, before I got in Mountain Heart I was you know I was writing I, I didn't have a lot of songs but I maybe had you know 10 or 20 tunes in, in my in in my bag of tricks that I, <clears throat> that I could pull out you know and and um, once I joined Mountain Heart I was brought in as their lead singer and I guess I made it known whether i forced it on anybody or not i made it known that i was a writer you know and i wanted to be part of that process because i loved it and and that immediately turned into the reverse of what i'm talking about what i'm doing now you know like i'm currently writing with younger artists a lot well back then i was i was the 20 year old that was writing with with everybody in town and they were trying to you know their goal was to make a new contact and write a song for mountain heart that's what they were that was what they were hoping to achieve and you know, I was willing to take the time. That's the other thing. It's time consuming and there's nobody paying you to do it, you know? So yeah. it's, uh, it can literally be a job where you're, you know, you're somewhere essentially in an office writing songs, uh, you know, for five to eight hours at a time, you know, it can, it can be a lot of work. And I was willing to put that time in because I loved it. And we're not talking about just the writing process. Then you got to turn around and spend money and, boatloads of time on making demos you know uh-huh. and so i was you know early on oh 2008 2009 10 i was you know i was making a lot of demos for warner brothers uh songwriters and they were writing with me but you know that it was just a lot of work and uh, you know almost thankless uh uh, payless work. Well, at that time, uh, but I mean, doesn't it essentially become an investment and then, it is, and yeah. then annuity? I mean, if it becomes a, yeah. a popular song, then, then you're, uh, you know, you're in a position to be able to make some money on it later on. So, and you know, man, if it's a good song, I still pitch stuff from 2010. I still pitch. I went actually through a catalog. The guy I wrote with today's name's Bill. And, uh, he was like, man, what about this one? What about that one? And I, I have a folder full of Josh and Bill songs, and there's probably 20 in there. 
And I was like, you know, this one needs to go to this guy and this band would love this. And, you know, I know we've pitched this Colorado moon song to so-and-so, but we need to pitch it again because it's a great song. And, and you just never know these things end up cut, you know, they can, it could be five, 10, 15 years later. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, so I got into mountain heart as a, writer that had written a few songs um and on the first mountain heart album that live album i was a i was either the sole writer or co-writer of all four of the new songs that were recorded on that album oh, so wow. that, was, uh-huh. that was literally four months into my into me being in the band you know so i had <laughs> just joined the band you know um but um so yeah when you if you ever listen to that stuff when you that's a live vocal one take live vocal at the arc and I had just met everybody. So that's amazing about that. And I was like, <laughs> I think I was 22, you know? So, um, but, um, but yeah, I mean that, that morphed into, here's how that, the other part of your question, people, they heard that record and then they heard an EP we put out a few years later. And all the while I was writing with, with other writers and then other people started to write the songs. I mean, to cut the songs that we were writing. So slowly but surely, you know, five or 10 years goes by and you've, you've, you know, you've, you've got 30 songs out there that have been cut and songs that haven't, but they're being pitched. And so your name is on the pit, you know, you're getting email, other artists are getting emails with songs and lyrics and it mentions your name or they pick uh, up this record, you know, they pick up so-and-so's record and it mentions your name. And so nowadays it's, you know, I meet a lot of people, not a lot, but there are, you know, like young artists in the like Americana, occasionally a country artist, especially in bluegrass, uh, younger people that will hit me up and they're like, man, we've always loved your songwriting. You know, we've been, we've been listening to yours and it's weird because I still feel pretty young, you know, but they're like 18, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and they're like, uh, you know, we've been listening to you since middle school, you know, and I'm just <laughs> like, Oh wow. Okay. And, 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 it, but from their perspective, it's like, you know, you're this old school, like dude, that's been doing this forever. You know, like, you know, all the ins and outs of it, but I, I feel like I'm still kind of just getting there, just learning, you know, in a way, but, but that's how the co-writes come nowadays. It's uh, it's a lot of like, you know, we've, it's a lot of younger folks that are just like, Hey, I've been listening to you f- for 10 years, you know? Uh, and they, so they're hip to what I've done and they uh, know, that, yeah. you know, they, so that's kind of how I've gotten there. But then there's one of my favorite ways is, to just do something new uh, and, and find these new avenues. Like a couple of weeks ago, I did this. Uh, I was part of a core band with Allison Krause's brother and a bunch of session musicians. And we were at sound Emporium in Nashville. And uh, we were the band for this YouTube series, backing up a ton of artists. I think we ended up with like 17 or 18 artists. And, and one of them said, so get this, it's 10 at 10 AM. It's the first day. I didn't sleep well the night before. We're on camera. My eyes are like swelled up. Don't really sound that great yet. And I'm just playing keyboards. I'm not singing. I'm just just the hired studio musician. And the guy producing the thing says, hey, Rebecca Lynn Howard, country, incredible country artist, uh, had to cancel. There's something going on in her family. So our next act isn't going to be here till one. Uh, he said, we could, we could rehearse or take five. And he said, Josh, do you want to do one? Because he, I've wow. known that for forever, and I know him through session work. I used to play on his records, and uh, I said, "Well, I haven't really prepared anything." And he's like, "Man, do such and such." And I said, "You know what? With this band, this vibey four-piece band we got here, uh, I got this bluesy thing 
that I bet we would kill. And I wrote right, right there on the spot. I was like, y'all grab a coffee, you know, and take, take five. And I wrote a chart, real simple song. I wrote a chart and we moved to the Wurlitzer. I was playing from the corner uh, where I was going to be sitting to the center where the camera angles were mainly hitting. And uh, man, five minutes later, I had taught the song to the band and, and we, we did, one take of this song and it's uh it was great i've heard the mix of it it's going to be in this youtube series and the point of me telling y'all that is the drummer walks up who i'd heard of a bunch and he goes bro where the you know where'd you come from you know and i was like well i'm in this band that band and do this thing and that thing and he said you know he's like man you need to come out to my house and and we'll cut if you got more songs like that we'll cut many more and uh you know Fast that kind of stuff. Weeks. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Two, two weeks later, I'm at his house and he's actually married to Winona Judd and, and we're cutting something for her, you know? And so, uh, it's, wow. you know, and so that's my favorite is like, you know, yeah. you go out, you hang out, you know, you just, just do your random. thing. You just do your thing and people see it and they appreciate exactly. it and, and love yep. it. That's, that's that's unbelievable. Well, Josh, this is absolutely a pleasure talking to you. I'm really looking forward to seeing you at the Acorn April 10th. I want to say the date is. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure the time. I would say seven or eight. And you know, yeah, we talk like a that. ton about me, but I should have spent a lot more time talking about Mountain Heart because, man, uh, the the musicianship—they're all writers, by the way, producers in their own right. They produce records. They've all literally played with anybody you can name in acoustic music that you love: Del McCurry, Tony Rice, Ricky Skaggs, Ron wow. Vincent, Jerry Douglas. I can every Sam Bush. We've played live and recorded with every one of them many times, and. It's just a stellar band, and you know I definitely want people to come out and check out the band. So. Well, this is going to be great, and very much looking forward to it. Uh, thanks again, Josh, and really appreciate it. And that was Josh Schilling from Mountain Heart. What a pleasure. Again, he's coming to Acorn Theater on April 10th. Um, get your tickets, and you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and you've been listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ, 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. We ran over a little bit. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody.